0: It's been done before, it's precisely what we're proposing. <laughs> it has never been done before. It's been done a couple of times, actually. It has never Jack been done before. Jack Kennedy lowered tax rates, increased growth. Ronald oh, Reagan. Oh, now
1: you're Jack Kennedy. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice.
2: Ask yourself if they're really
1: telling the truth.
3: This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting.
2: And welcome to another episode of subliminally correct
1: what's up for today alex well this week we return to 2012 when vice president biden is debating paul ryan in what's widely regarded as one of the best debate performances in presidential politics joe biden was known as a powerful seasoned debater and paul ryan was regarded as the upstart fiery young candidate with all the new ideas Now, if you listen back to our last episode, you can hear how some of this dynamic played out. And now we're going to continue to break down what each candidate did well and where they might have fumbled their message. Now, in this first clip here, we're going to be talking about Medicare and entitlements. And Joe Biden's going to have a lot to say about the Republicans' plan and how they might not be all that sincere.
4: Vice President Biden, too.
3: You points. know, I heard that death panel argument from Sarah Palin. It seems every vice presidential debate, I hear this kind of stuff about panels. Um, but let's talk about Medicare. Um, what we did is we saved 716 billion dollars and put it back, applied it to Medicare. We cut the cost of Medicare. We stopped overpaying insurance companies, when doctors and hospitals. The AMA supported what we did. AARP endorsed what we did. And it extends the life of Medicare to 2024. They want to wipe this all out. It also gave more benefits. Any senior out there, ask yourself, do you have more benefits today? You do. If you're near the donut hole, you have $800, $600 more to help your prescription drug costs. You get wellness visits without co-pays. They wipe all of this out, and Medicare goes becomes insolvent in 2016, no, no, number one. Number two, guaranteed benefit. It's a voucher. When they first proposed, when the congressman had his first voucher program, the CBO said it would cost $6,400 a year, Martha, more for every senior, 55 and below, when they got there. He knew that, yet he got all the guys in Congress and <clears throat> women in the Republican Party to vote for it. Governor Romney, knowing that, said, I, I, I would sign it were I there. Who do you believe? The AMA? Me? A guy who's fought his whole life for this, or somebody would actually put in motion a plan that knowingly cut six, uh, added 6,400 dollars a year more to the cost of Medicare. Now they got a new plan. Trust me, it's not going to cost you any more. Folks, follow your instincts on this one. And with regard to social security, we will not we will not privatize it. If we had listened to Romney, the Governor Romney, and the Congressman during the Bush years, imagine where all those seniors would be now if their money had been in the market. Their ideas are old and their ideas are bad, and they eliminate the guarantee of Medicare.
0: Here's the problem. They got caught with their hands in the cookie jar, turning Medicare into a piggy bank for Obamacare. Their own actuary from the administration came to Congress and said, one out of six hospitals and nursing homes are going to go out of business as a result of this. That's not what they say. 7.4 million seniors are projected to lose the current Medicare Advantage coverage they have. That's a $3,200 benefit cut. That didn't what we're happen. saying...
3: More people signed these up. These are from your own more, actuaries. More, 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 more people signed mm-hmm. up for Medicare Advantage after what, the change. What no, Nobody
0: is... Mr. Vice President, down. I know... No, no this, this is Vice President, I little... know you're under a lot of duress to make up for the lost ground... <laughs> <laughs> But I think people will be better served if we don't keep interrupting each other. Well, now, don't take me, all say the say four minutes then. We're, not, we're saying don't change benefits for people 55 and above. They already organize their retirement around these they promises. You l- let me ask you this. What, for those of us. Uh, what right. is
4: your specific plan for seniors who really can't afford to make up the difference in the value of what you call a premium support plan and others call a voucher?
0: 100% and coverage and for that.
4: That's what, what we're cost. saying.
0: So... We're saying income adjust these premium support payments by taking down the subsidies for wealthy people. Look, this is a plan. By the way, that $6,400 number it was misleading then. It's totally inaccurate now. This is a plan that's bipartisan. It's a plan I put together with a prominent Democrat senator from Oregon. There's not one Democrat it's who endorses plan.
3: it. Not one Democrat
0: who's our partner the plan. is a Democrat from Oregon. And he said he does we, no longer support we put, you it for it, that. we put it together with the former Clinton budget director. Who this idea, it. <laughs> this idea, came from the Clinton Commission to Save Medicare, chaired by Senator John Bro. Here's the point, Martha. <laughs> Which was rejected. if we don't, if we don't fix this problem pretty soon, then current seniors get cut. Here's the problem. 10,000 people are retiring every single day in America today, and they will for 20 years. That's not a political thing. thing. if math we just thing. did
3: one thing, if we just, if they just allow Medicare to bargain for the cost of drugs like Medicaid can, that would save $156 billion right off the bat.
0: And it would deny all, seniors all, choices. All it, it seniors has a are not formula. denied.
3: So Absolutely. They are not denied. Look, folks, I, I, all, all you seniors out there, have you been denied choices? Have you lost Medicare Advantage? Because it's working on well right now. Signed up because Vice you President Biden, let, let,
4: let me ask
2: you. All right. And listen to that fiery debate. Now, before we get down to breaking down these moments of this, since we know that you enjoy this type of deep dive into political persuasion that we do here at Subliminally Correct, Alex and I would like you to consider supporting our mission here. So time is running out to support the show for this month, which means that it's now time to chip in. So each month we have server costs as well as the time spent developing the show. And to protect our independence, we never run ads. Your support today keeps us on the air tomorrow and keeps this great content coming to you. So please take just a minute to keep the show on the air ad-free and growing. You can find the link in the show notes as well as going to our website, www.subliminallycorrect.com and clicking that support us tab. And
1: let's go ahead and break down this clip. So here we have Joe Biden coming out with a very interesting tactic. What he does here is continually interrupt Paul Ryan as he's trying to explain the Republican plan and interjects it with little pieces of doubt, little bits of truths or mistruths or whatever it might be to sort of get the listener distracted while Paul Ryan is speaking. Now, we've discussed this type of tactic before when we've reviewed some of uh britain's parliament uh you know speeches and and the types of tactics that they use there to distract from the prime minister speaking this is sort of the same type of thing where joe biden can interject every little piece so much so that paul ryan even stops to address that with joe biden um unsuccessfully another thing that he's doing constantly here is this appeal to the listener's own sort of judgment or feelings. You know, he turns to the camera and looks directly at it. Who do you believe? The AMA, me, or the guy who added $6,400 to your bill? And uh, he he does that over again. Folks, listen to your instincts on this one. And, you know, it's that sort of appeal that these are the guys who are always trying to, to get rid of this. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden isn't actually breaking down the merits of his plan so much as that he's appealing to the gut emotional instincts of the listener who might be averse to change and might not want anything to be different in their Medicare.
2: Yeah, he talks about how their ideas are old, their ideas are bad, and they eliminate the guarantee of Medicare. So there we hear the three part The three part of the sentence, right? This is that, this is that, and then this. So we have a pace, pace, and a lead. And notice here how he starts to stack these things together. So we have this noun adjective being used, but in two separate sentences. So their ideas are old, their ideas are bad. Now we hear a similar tactic by Paul Ryan a little bit later in the clip where he talks about the number. He says that number. It was misleading then. It's totally inaccurate now. So notice how he's doing the same thing here with using misleading and inaccurate as the modifiers of the sentence, and then using then and now to begin this bridge of time that he's starting to you know put together. You know what I really like about this clip is how Joe Biden really continues to reference. Um, on a personal level, the seniors, okay? So seniors, you know, any senior, ask yourself, do you this and this and that? You do, okay? He keeps asking them to have a question, and then when he's not appealing directly to the seniors or refuting directly and interrupting Paul Ryan, then he's talking to the moderator, as if he's actually having the conversation with the moderator. You know, Martha, if we just, this, 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 isn't true, Martha. And so he continues to reference the moderator as if she is just the normal, average, everyday American public, and, you know, this is the message that they want to hear. And so they just keep finishing each other's sentences with these little taglines. So, you know, he disavowed it. They reject it. They rejected it. It would deny seniors choices because we changed the law. And having these little, you know, taglines, finishing the sentence leaves the listener or the viewer in that place where they have to attach what the one person said and now also what the other person said. Now, the other thing to really that was really interesting about this clip is this metaphor that Paul Ryan, you know, came out with of they got caught with their hands in the cookie jar Now, everyone can relate to that, right? It's like, okay, you're a little kid and you want to go and get the cookie. You got caught with your hand in the cookie jar trying to make Medicare into Obamacare. And then, you know, of course, at the end of this, Joe Biden, um, you know, really interrupts Paul Ryan and he just says more blah, blah,
1: blah. And then he interrupts him again. So that was really interesting. So in this next clip, we're going to be hearing them talk about taxes, and you might recognize a familiar sort of reference or allusion here in some of the things that they're saying.
3: The only way you can find five trillion dollars in loopholes is cut the mortgage deduction for middle-class people, cut the health care deduction, for middle-class people take away their ability to get a tax break to send their kids to college. That's why they are Is arrive he at wrong that.
4: about that? He is
0: wrong about that. There, you, can, that? you can cut tax rates by 20 percent and still preserve these important preferences for middle-class taxpayers. Not mathematically it, possible. It is mathematically possible. It's been done before. It's precisely what we're proposing. <laughs> it has never been done before. It's been done a couple of times, actually. It has never Jack been Kennedy done Jack Kennedy lowered tax rates, increased growth. Ronald oh, Reagan. Oh, now you're Jack Kennedy. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats have worked together on this. You know, I understand right. you guys aren't used to but doing bipartisan deals. But we told each other deals. what we're going to do. When we did it with Reagan, We he said, here, here are the we things we're going to cut. We said, here's the cut. framework, here's let's work together said. to fill in the details. That's exactly, fill in the details. that's how you get things done. You work with There's, Congress. Look, let me say it this way. Mitt that's Romney coming from governor. the Republican Congress working Mitt, bipartisanly? Mitt Romney. 7% rating? Mitt Romney oh. was governor of Massachusetts, where 87% of the legislators he served with were Democrats. He didn't demonize them. He didn't demagogue them. He met with those party leaders every week. <laughs> he reached across the aisle. He didn't compromise principles and you found common it ground. And he balanced the budget. it. If, he, he, did budget job, uh, if he did such a great he balanced job, balanced the budget four times without
3: raising taxes. Why isn't he even contesting Massachusetts?
4: Even contesting Massachusetts? Vice President, what would you suggest? What would you suggest beyond raising taxes on the wealthy that would substantially reduce uh, the
3: debt? Just let deficit. taxes expire like they're supposed to on those millionaires. We don't. We can't afford eight hundred billion dollars going to people making a minimum of a million dollars. They do not need it, Martha. Those hundred twenty thousand families make eight million dollars a year. Middle class people need the help. Why does my friend cut out the tuition tax credit for them? Why does he go after can the child care? Can you declare care? anything off Why limits? Why do they? T- can do that? you
4: declare anything off limits?
0: Yeah, we're Home saying closed loopholes for high interest people.
4: Home mortgage deduction for
0: higher income people here. Can you guarantee this, that no one this tax making is, less
3: than hundred thousand dollars have a mortgage? This
0: mortgage deduction impacted. This taxes a million small businesses. He keeps trying to make you think that it's just some movie star, or hedge fund guy, or 97 an actor. Ninety-seven percent
3: of the small businesses make less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year would not be you affected. You know it one hits bit. a
0: million. This taxes a million people. A million small Does it businesses. It taxes ninety-seven percent of the American it, it taxed businesses. It taxes a million small, small businesses. businesses who are our greatest job creators? I wish I could get it. The greatest job creators. And you're going to increase the think defense about defense budget. budget. And you're
4: going to increase the defense. No, we're just budget.
0: not going to cut the defense budget like they're. They're you're proposing two billion dollars. That's, That's not dollars. accurate. More we're than talking that. about no, preventing. so no massive. No, we're saying defense increase. Okay, you want to get into defense now? Let, let, yes, All I right. do. I do.
2: All right. So here in this clip, we're listening to Biden and Ryan really spar off on this details versus going into the absolutes. So we hear here about this tax plan that Paul Ryan is talking about. And Paul Ryan says it's been done before. And then Biden says it's never been done before. Ryan says a couple of times. Biden says never. Now, what do you notice about this? Well, the thing is, is that Biden is going into absolutes. He is using those what we call universal quantifiers. You may be familiar with these because Donald Trump uses them all the time. We've talked about it a lot on the show. And what tends to happen with universal quantifiers, words like always, never, everyone, no one, uh, nothing, everyone, those types of words, they tend to have the person in their own mind think in terms of black and white images so this is a black and white distinction it's either this or it's that there is no gray area there is no in between it's just this or it's that and those types of uh, word phrases tend to be really effective for people who are um, well really experiencing a lot of pain So when people have are not necessarily in their higher thinking centers and they just want a simple decision to make, you know, let's say they're tired of talking about all this tax stuff and they just want a simple decision. Well, those types of words are going to really force the issue. And out of the two of them, well, Biden wins that. Why? Because Paul Ryan is trying to be here a practical kind of detail-oriented guy where he's saying, okay, no, let's be reasonable and let's talk about what it actually is. Biden is striking at the emotional core of it. He's saying it's never been done before. Never. And he gets them into that state, that emotional state. And you know what? Ultimately, that's more important. Now, you also hear them doing that a little bit later on in the clip where they're talking about this idea of um, who will be affected. And, you know, Biden says 97% of small businesses making less than 250 a year will not be affected. Now, that seems, you know, basically all, almost all, okay? And then what does Paul Ryan say? He says, no, a million are going to experience this, a million. So notice what they're doing here. What Biden is doing is trying to make it seem like almost all the people won't be affected. And Paul Ryan is trying to say, no, a whole bunch of people will be affected because a million sure seems like a lot of people when it's not put into context. Because, you know, 97% of businesses, uh, the other 3% is surely more than a million. Okay. But because the idea of a million is so big, he's able to kind of get, uh, Get away with that.
1: Yeah. And then we have that one memorable moment out of here where we've got Joe Biden almost calling out Paul Ryan as incredible because what he does here is, he, you know, they get in the back and forth about, you know, who did what and has this plan been done before. And then Paul Ryan says, yeah, it's, you know, Jack Kennedy. And Joe Biden turns and says, oh, now you're Jack Kennedy. And the whole audience, of course, erupts because they remember the 1988 debate between Lloyd Benston and Dan Quayle, where a very similar line came up.
3: I have as much experience in the Congress as Jack Kennedy did when he sought the presidency. Senator, I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy.
2: Yeah. So there we have, you know, Lloyd Benson and that really um, that that again, that pacing and leading style. Right. So, you know, I knew Jack Kennedy. I served with Jack Kennedy. He was a friend of mine. So he's establishing that credibility through a series of statements that cannot be uh, refuted. And then he just goes right into your no Jack Kennedy, which because of the credibility that he's established is really hard to argue
1: with there. All right, and now we're going to turn to talking about Afghanistan. And this is a moment where Ryan seems to have a very rehearsed plan here. And what does Biden have? He's continuing with his very aggressive poking at the plans that come up between Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney.
4: Now we've reached the recruiting goal for Afghan forces. We've degraded al-Qaeda. So tell me, why not leave now? What more can we really accomplish? Is it worth more American
0: lives? We don't wanna lose the gains we've gotten. We wanna make sure that the Taliban does not come back in and give Al-Qaeda a safe haven. We agree with the administration on their 2014 transition. Look, when I think about Afghanistan, I think about the incredible job that our troops have done. You've been there more than the two of us combined. First time I was there in 2002, it was amazing to me what they were facing. When I went to the Argandab Valley in Kandahar before the surge, I sat down with a young private in the 82nd from the Menominee Indian Reservation who would tell me what he did every day and I was in awe. And to see what they had in front of them and then to go back there in December to go throughout Helmand with the Marines to see what they had accomplished, it's nothing short of amazing. What we don't wanna do is lose the gains we've gotten. Now we've disagreed from time to time on a few issues. We would have more likely taken into account the recommendations from our commanders, General Petraeus, Admiral Mullen, on troop levels throughout this year's fighting season. We've been skeptical about negotiations with the Taliban, especially while they're shooting at us. But we want to see the 2014 transition be successful. And that means we want to make sure our commanders have what they need to make sure that it is successful so that this does not once again become a launching pad for terrorists.
3: Biden, let's keep our eye on the ball. The reason I've been in out of Afghanistan and Iraq 20 times. I've been up in the Konar Valley. I've been throughout that whole country, mostly in a helicopter and sometimes in a vehicle. Um, the fact is, we went there for one reason to get those people who killed Americans, Al Qaeda. We've decimated Al Qaeda Central. We have eliminated Osama bin Laden. That was our purpose. And in fact, in the meantime, what we said we would do, we would help train the Afghan military. It's their responsibility to take over their own security. That's why with 50, 49 of our allies in Afghanistan, we've agreed on a gradual drawdown, so we're out of there by the year – uh, in the year 2014. My friend and the governor say it's based on conditions, which means it depends. It does not depend for us. It is the responsibility of the Afghans to take care of their own security. We have trained over 315,000, mostly without incident. There have been more than two dozen cases of green on blue where Americans have been killed. If, we do not, if, the, if the measures the military has taken do not take hold, we will not go on joint patrols. We will not train in the field. We'll only train in the, uh, in the army bases that exist there. But we are leaving. We are leaving in 2014, period. And in the process, we're going to be saving over the next 10 years another $800 billion. We've been in this war for over a decade. The primary objective is almost completed. Now all we're doing is putting the Kabul government in a position to be able to maintain their own security. It's their responsibility, not America's.
4: What, what conditions could justify staying Congressman Ryan?
0: We don't want to stay. We want, look, one of my best friends in Janesville, a reservist, is at a forward operating base in eastern Afghanistan right now. Our wives are best friends, our daughters are best friends. I want, I want him and all of our troops to come home as soon and safely as possible. We want to make sure that 2014 is successful. That's why we want to make sure that we give our commanders what they say they need to make it successful. We don't wanna extend beyond 2014. That's the point we're making. You know, if it was just this, I feel like we would, we would be able to call this a success, but it's not. What we're witnessing as we turn on our television screens these days is the absolute unraveling of the Obama foreign policy. Problems are growing at home, but jobs, problems are growing abroad, but jobs aren't growing here at home.
4: L- let me go back to this. He says we're absolutely leaving. In 2014, you're saying that's not an absolute, but you won't talk about what conditions
0: would justify. Do you know why we say that? Because we don't want to broadcast to our enemies, put a date on your calendar, wait us out, and then come back.
4: But you agree with the timeline.
0: We do agree agree with the timeline and the transition. But what what, what any administration will do in 2013 is assess the situation to see how best to complete this timeline. We, what we will do not want to do in What we do not want to do is give our allies reason to trust us less and our enemies more. In, we don't want to embolden our enemies to hold and wait out for us and then take over the country. Martha, government. that's a bizarre That's why we statement. want to make sure. No, that's, that's a why we want to make sure that
3: 49 is, that of our allies, hear me, <clears throat> 49 of our allies signed on
0: to this position. And
3: we're reading that they want 49. to. 49. Forty-nine of our allies said out in 2014. It's the responsibility of the Afghans. Do we you, have other do responsibilities. Do you think this timeline, which is, which but we have, we,
4: we have soldiers and condition. Marines, we have Afghan forces murdering our forces over there. The Taliban is, do you think, taking advantage of this timeline?
3: The Taliban, what we found out, and we, you, you saw it in Iraq, Martha, unless you set a timeline... Baghdad, in the case of Iraq, and, and uh, uh, Kabul, in the case of Afghanistan, will not step up. They're happy to let us continue to do the job. International security forces do the job. The only way they step up is say, fellas, we're leaving. We've trained you. Step up.
1: Step up.
4: Let, let, me, let me go That's back. That's the only
1: way it works. Wow. And so what we've got here is a very heartfelt message from Ryan and then a very bold and assertive message from Biden. And you can see those optics play out here on the stage and in what they say. So we've got Paul Ryan starts off with this, you know, heartfelt story. When he wants to talk about the troops, he's not necessarily going to dive into all of this complex policy and timelines Like he doesn't want to talk about that and he avoids it. What does he talk about? He goes back to, you know, his neighbor back in Janesville and how they're friends and he's in Afghanistan and, you know, goes to the incredible job the troops have done. He's trying to make a play here to a big Republican base, military and veterans by, you know, praising the stories of our troops. And what does Biden do? Well, Biden is going back to his, you know, very assertive, you know, I've got this plan, you should listen. And he does that over and over and over again with those cadences to draw the listener back to that memory that, oh, Biden made other points that were good with this cadence. This is also similar and maybe something else that I should agree to. Maybe something else that he is very knowledgeable about. And the way that he's able to step into that way of being where it's, you know, very direct, very assertive and very pointed certainly lends a little bit of credence and a little bit of credibility to what he's saying, even if what he's saying is not being actually critically analyzed by anyone.
2: Yeah, I mean, Biden really has the leg up here because he has that foreign policy experience. So, you know, we hear him stacking his accomplishments right at the beginning. We decimated Al Qaeda Central. We killed Osama bin Laden. He talks about then what they're going to be doing. You know, we are leaving in 2014. We are leaving in 2014, period. And You know, then, you know, we hear Paul Ryan doing his really, you know, his pivoting. And, you know, I love this phrase, um, problems are growing abroad while jobs aren't growing at home. So notice this is that same structure. We actually talked about this in our uh, last couple of episodes where when you think about it, this is a sentence structure that can be repeated. So the word growing is similar So we have A, B, C, C, B, A. Problems are growing abroad while jobs aren't growing at home. So the fact that something's growing stays the same and then he's simply switching jobs and problems and home and abroad. Well, again, how could you take that same type of phrase and begin to use it in your own persuasion and begin to use it in your own influence? And so, you know, Biden interrupts him. We will leave in 2014. And while Ryan is trying to fumble over this nuanced message, you know, Biden just cuts in with this simple, easy to understand soundbite of, you know, we're leaving. We've trained you fellas. Step up, step up, step up. That's the only way it works. And You know, this kind of reminds me of the second episode that we did on Alex Jones, where he just continued to repeat the same phrase over and over and over and over again, and just kind of like drilled it into a person's mind. And, um, you know, we also heard here um, Paul Ryan talking about what success means. Success means that our commanders have what they need. So that we can avoid the negative outcome. So, you know, one of the things uh, about the word success is that it is what we describe as a nominalization. And a nominalization is a highly abstracted word, a verb. So an action verb that has been frozen and made into a thing, made into a noun. And so when you think about the word success, what does it actually mean? Because success means different things to different people in different circumstances so you know success to paul ryan can mean something way different than joe biden but everyone can have in their mind this idea of success well success simply means achieving the positive result at the end of some outcome well what is that outcome what exactly is it they're aiming to do well that's where you start to be able to shift the values To actually use a word like success where everyone goes, yes, I want success. Do Democrats want success? Do Republicans want success? Absolutely. Can they agree on what that means? Not necessarily at the very detailed level. And that's why they make it more abstract. And so we hear Joe Biden coming back with that repetition of 49 of our allies, 49, 40, hear me, 49 of our allies continuing to stack that repetition again and again. And, you know, basically what we hear here, you know, it's amazing to compare this to the Joe Biden that we have today, because Joe Biden was absolutely just coming and attacking Ryan in a very um, prominent way, in a way that kind of dominated the airtime, much like we hear Donald Trump doing these days. So when it comes the time, For Joe Biden to debate Donald Trump, you know, I wonder which one is going to be doing, you know, which, uh, which tactic.
1: All right. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be talking about religion, specifically abortion, uh, where you're going to hear some very different messaging from both of these men.
4: I, I want to move on and I want to return home for these last few questions. This debate is indeed historic. We have two Catholic candidates, first time on a stage such as this. And I would like to ask you both to tell me what role your religion has played in your own personal views on abortion. Please talk about how you came to that decision. Talk about how your religion played a part in that. And please, this is such an emotional issue for so many people in this country. Please talk personally about this if you could. Congressman Ryan.
0: I don't see how a person can separate their public life from their private life or from their faith. Our faith informs us in everything we do. My faith informs me about how to take care of the vulnerable, about how to make sure that people have a chance in life. Now, you want to ask basically why I'm pro-life? It's not simply because of my Catholic faith. That's a factor, of course. But it's also because of reason and science for our seven-week ultrasound for our firstborn child. And we saw that heartbeat. Our little baby was in the shape of a bean. And to this day, we have nicknamed our firstborn child, Liza, Bean. Now, I believe that life begins at conception. That's why, those are the reasons why I'm pro-life. Now, I understand this is a difficult issue, and I respect people who don't agree with me on this, But the policy of a Romney administration will be to oppose abortion with the exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. What troubles me more is how this administration has handled all of these issues. Look at what they're doing through Obamacare with respect to assaulting the religious liberties of this country. They're infringing upon our first freedom, the freedom of religion, by infringing on Catholic charities, Catholic churches, Catholic hospitals. Our church should not have to sue our federal government to maintain their religious liberties. And with respect to abortion, the Democratic Party used to say they wanted to be safe, legal, and rare. Now, they support it without restriction and with taxpayer funding. Taxpayer funding in Obamacare, taxpayer funding with foreign aid. The Vice President himself went to China and said that he sympathized or wouldn't second guess their one-child policy of forced abortions and sterilizations. That, to me, is pretty extreme. Vice President Biden.
3: My religion uh, defines who I am. And uh, I've been a practicing Catholic my whole life. Um, And uh, it has particularly informed my social doctrine. Catholic social doctrine talks about taking care of those who who, uh, can't take care of themselves. Uh, people who need help. Um, with regard to um, with regard to abortion, I accept my church's position on abortion as a what we call de fide doctrine. Life begins at conception. That's the church's judgment. I accept it in my personal life, but I refuse to impose it on equally devout Christians and Muslims and Jews. And uh, I just refuse to impose that on others. Unlike my friend here, the congressman. Uh, I, uh, I do not believe that, um, uh, that we have a right to tell other people that women they, – they can't control their body. It's a decision between them and their doctor. In my view, in the Supreme Court, I'm not going to interfere with that. Um, with regard to the assault on the Catholic Church, let me make it absolutely clear. No religious institution – Catholic or otherwise including Catholic Social Services, Georgetown Hospital, Mercy Hospital, any hospital, none has to either refer for contraception, none has to pay for contraception, none has to be a vehicle to get contraception in any insurance policy they provide. That is a fact. That is a fact. Now, with regard to the way in which we differ, uh, uh, my friend says uh, that – uh, um, Well, I guess he accepts Governor Romney's position now because in the past uh, he has argued that um, uh, there was uh, there's rape, enforceable rape. He's argued that in the case of rape or incest, uh, it was still it would be a crime to engage in having an abortion. I just fundamentally disagree with my friend.
1: And so here we've got Joe Biden bringing us to a very heartfelt moment that's deep him. And meanwhile, we've got Ryan, who tries to start off with a heartfelt moment about his family and their little girl named Bean and all of that, but then quickly pivots into talking about policy and and sort of contrasting himself with Biden in a more detailed way. And it's something where, you know, Biden is able to come off as more credible and more heartfelt and uh and actually more believable here because you know while paul ryan maybe his personality just isn't there but he's very much of a plan policy you know uh just the facts person and biden is a little bit more comfortable entering that zone of the more personal and the more private where he's able to step into that emotional moment lower his voice and really, just talk about his faith and and what it all means to him.
2: Yeah, and one really core thing, and of course, we hear there, you know, Biden being able to have that very slow, um, soft tone, lowering down that voice, slowing it down, and really bringing it into, you know, talking about this, you know, very sensitive subject, but in that very slow way. And what he effectively then does is that he's calming that person down. So when people talk in high and fast tones, meaning high pitch and spoken quickly, then they tend to actually create more anxiousness or anxiety within the person. But when they slow it down, then the person can start to really relax inside. And so that's one way in which you can, you know, as you're starting to talk, really being able to communicate the gravity of a situation or of a moment. And of course, as Biden does this, this is something he's practiced. It's something he knows he has to do. He has to go there because as he goes into that place, he he realizes that he's not going to be able to just, you know, meet Paul Ryan where he is and have this kind of face off in terms of who is more moral. Um, instead, he has to acknowledge something else to be able to shift it. And one thing I'd like to highlight here is the driver that is taking place right here in this clip of commitment and consistency. So I first became aware of this driver from reading the book Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. And in that book, Cialdini describes how human beings want to be consistent with what they're doing. So for example, if you Um, wish for someone to donate um, bone marrow. Okay. Which is a painful and difficult process. Well, if you just go to them and say, Hey, could you just put this little tiny sticker on your door that you support bone marrow, you know, donations. And if they say yes, then they actually will be more likely to donate it themselves later on. Why? Because they've already demonstrated a commitment to that position, and even more so, they've done so publicly. And so what we have here is that you know, people who keep their commitments, people who are consistent with doing what they have said in the past, is obviously highly valued. The people who don't do that, we call them hypocrites, we don't trust them, we think that they are somehow scheming or somehow up to some sort of trickery. And so we hear this um, right from the get-go. Paul Ryan is talking about consistency. I believe we can't separate their, that people can't separate their public and private lives. Well, he's saying the two need to be consistent. They need to have the same policy here as they do there. Now, that seems to have a certain emotional bearing, But when we talk about a separation of church and state, when we talk about the difference between a legal system that has to not just work for one religion or ethnicity or faith, but for all of them, it stops making as much sense. But still we hear that driver of commitment and, you know, consistency. And he also brings that out there where he Talks about the idea of Democrats used to say that it, it used to be safe, legal, and rare. Now they support it with taxpayer funding. Again, saying that now they're not doing the same thing that they used to do, now they're doing this other thing. But then, you know, we hear Biden talking about how. Uh, Ryan's position has changed over the years and now of course he must agree with Governor Romney meaning that Romney is now the more reasonable one and you know Ryan is the um, person who has the divergent view and you know the other thing to really notice here is that as Biden is slowing everything down and he is doing that he just ends it on that perfect note I just fundamentally disagree with my friend So, you know, he calls him his friend, but at the same time, he fundamentally disagrees with him, but there's no malice in the way he's saying his words, but the words themselves have meaning. Multi-level communication, very important, right? Because you're communicating one message at a verbal level or at a logical level and communicating a completely different message using the voice tone and the tempo and the cadence in the quality, the tonality of the voice to be able to send a much different style of communication. And all right, everyone, I think that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for joining us for this episode. And remember that you can go down to the show notes or on our website at subliminallycorrect.com, hit that support us button, and you can donate as little as a cup of coffee to keep this show on the air, to keep us rolling, keep us running week after week bringing you all this great content and go to your podcast app and you can rate us five stars ideally that'll be the apple podcast app because that's the one that all the other podcast apps take their ratings from so please remember to uh, rate us there and also tweet at us at subliminal pod on twitter you can send us your questions your comments your reactions and also on our facebook group and we will see you again next week